Hallelujah. We bless the name of Jesus. We are going to go ahead and get started. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this Sabbath day, allowing us to remember it, like you've said in your commandments. And we humbly request and ask, Father, that you would give us clarity. Allow me to speak with clarity. Your words are true. These sins will sink deep down into our hearts, especially to the ones that have determined to be obedient to the heavenly cause. We bless the name of Jesus and, and do honor and thank you for your sacrifice that you have made for us. I can only hope and pray, Father, that we can live up to the example that Christ has set before us. We thank you for all things, and we give you the glory in the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus, amen. Hallelujah. We're going to go ahead and get started. The placement of the book of Job in the, the Bible as we have it today. You know, I, I tell us things that we hardly ever hear here in America or um, what we would be exposed to if we just left our conscious and our minds in an American type of way of thinking. Now, don't get me wrong. Um, I'm not proud to be an American, but I am an American, and there is a difference. I'm an American by birth because I was born here on this land, but I'm not proud of the things that this country has done while calling itself America and the things that it represents even while we are here in America. So I just wanted to make sure that everybody understands that. But the placement of the book of Job, um, let me go back to what I was saying earlier. You know, there, there are other Bibles, scriptures. Um, and because over the years I've exercised self-autonomy, from the first day that God gave me the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I began to question everything because... While growing up here in America, I found out that truth was not presented to me the way that it should have been. Um, and even salvation in itself, they could only just lead you so far, but never give you the ability through the word of God to really cross over into the, the revelation and the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I had to exercise self-autonomy and that's um, the ability to think independently yes, sir. especially from the information the limited amount of information that has been provided to us over the years and that's been my quest ever since being born again because to not know lead you into the path of destruction and also on the same side and just flip it just a little bit to know and not do what you know leads you in the same path of destruction now I didn't come up with this because I'm some type of an intelligent man I came up with this because I'm a simple man 
I put myself in a position where I can not only be teachable, but also to be able to teach. Because you first have to have a teachable spirit in order for you to teach. I have no other well to draw from but the well of the kingdom of the Most High. It's all the information that we'll be receiving. It comes straight from that order and that order alone. But I've always uh, questioned, you know, why we are just limited with so many, uh, so few books. When we look at other Bibles, uh, the Catholic Bible, or they call it the Catholic Bible, we know um, that it carries a whole lot more books than the 66 that is represented to us here today. Um, I looked at the 1611 King James Version of the Bible. I looked at the Septuagint. I looked at uh, many, 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 many other Bibles and where we have drawn the translation to get to the point to where we are today. And even in the original 1611 King James Version of the Bible, um, you'll notice that there is also another set of books that are not contained in the Bibles that we carry today, and that being the Apocrypha. And so I would ask myself the question, I said, well, why is it that if it was there in the original 1611 King James Version, then who was it? And by whose will and who authority determined to take it upon themselves to say that these books should not be included? Well, you want to know the truth. The truth is this. The only reason why we have the books represented here before us today is because some church decided not to canonize certain books or to bring them in to play. Because people thought that we were not intelligent enough to understand the word of God for ourselves. But however, there were other people who thought that if the people had the opportunity and the chance to have the word of God presented before them, then they would be intelligent enough to understand what is written rather than them coming to um, some church, or some tabernacle, some cathedral, and having a man standing up before them and telling them what it says. I kind of agree halfway on both points, on both sides, because I agree that the people are not intelligent enough to understand the word of God. Because if they were intelligent enough to understand the word of God, then they would read it and obey it. They could understand it and obey it. But America, and including we ourselves, show how unintelligent we are. And that is just a factual truth. You don't gain knowledge of God by reading the word of God. You do not gain knowledge of God. Knowledge of God. Just by hearing the word of God. Reading only gives you an entrance point, a starting place. Hearing only allows your spirit to awaken to something that has never been wakened before. That's how faith is started. But faith must be acted up on. It must have that main ingredient. Faith 
And in order for that faith to be increased, there must be the element of obedience that needs to accompany in order for you to understand the power that faith represents. But the Bible teaches, the scriptures teaches, that if a man is going to come to an understanding in any particular area of his life, especially about his relationship between himself and the one who created him, he must search the scriptures. And he must make diligent inquiry of the scripture. He has to dig for that like he would a treasure. And today people don't put the same value on the word of God as they would a treasure. I'm often amazed at how that I'll use the analogy and example of a store. You can go to a mall and you'll sit and watch people dig and search. Looking for the latest deal. Looking for the bargain. And they will spend hours up on end for a garment or a piece of clothing or some electronic thing that they're looking for. They will pour their very soul into it, but yet and still, when it comes to our eternal salvation and understanding the one who made us, we put very little, if any at all, energy, focus, and time into his word. So is it any wonder why we are where we at as a people today? It's not that it has not been declared and it's not that it has not been told. I know you expect to hear the truth and that's what we're going to speak the truth. The Ethiopian Bible has 81 books in it. The Hebrew Bible has 33 books. Our English Bible, um, we don't know how many books it has. They tell us 66, but what report do you believe? Do you believe the 1611? Or do you believe the King James Version between 1611 and 1979? Or do you believe the one that came after 1979 all the way up to this present point and then the many different translations that have been presented to us? Now, rather than capitalizing on some of the theatrics and, and some of the pictures that may be painted in some form of foolishness today, it would behoove you to make diligent inquiry within yourself to hear the word of the Most High and let these sayings, as the prophet says of old, sink deep down into your heart. Because truly, if they don't, sink deep down into your heart, the heart will not transform. And the heart that is not transformed will not conform. And the heart that will not conform will not resemble the image of the one who created him. And that's a fact. But anyway, the book of Job, if you notice, it's placed like almost midway um, in this book. And this morning, I, I turned to Genesis um, 46, 13, and I read, I read about um, one of the sons of Jacob. And so 
this is why I read, and, and this is, you see, this is how my mind starts operating. Because I do spend a lot of time, a lot of time learning about the one who created me. I spend a lot of time trying to understand not only why we are here, but what is our purpose for being here. And when I found out our purpose for being here, what should we be doing while we are here? So I understand the reason why people don't understand the ministration, the demonstration, and the power of the Spirit through ministry, through preaching. Because if your mind has not ventured to search for the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ, how can you understand when you hadn't prepared for the journey? So when we hear the preacher here this morning, we have all the tools that, that we need. But the will and the self-determination and the drive must come from every individual's love for the creator themselves. In other words, we can provide you the tools, but we can't do the work for you. But it says, and the sons of Issachar, Tula, and Puva, and Job, and Shimron. And that, is that not amazing? That's the third son of Issachar. Job, way over here in Genesis. And so it's led me to believe that even though the placements of the book uh, some different, somewhat. It led me to believe that Job should be like way towards the front rather than way towards the middle. Yes, sir. I'm just a simple man, but, you know, if he's written right there and he's got a whole entire book because, I mean, out of all the sons, he's one of the very few sons that actually have an entire book. And we're going to be spending a lot of time again in Job. The Old Covenant saints believed the Messiah. There was too many prophecies written about him. There's too much entrance given to the minds to proclaim to them that a deliverer, like unto Moses, was coming. Moses himself spoke of this deliverer. So they were justified because they were able to look to him. For their salvation. But in the new covenant. Today God's people are justified. Because we can look back. To the death. Of the Messiah. So whereas. Our people looked. Before. To the death burial and resurrection. Of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The Messiah the King of the world. We have the ability to look back and to see. But with the new covenant also came many, many, many different things that were never presented to those of old. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
the spirit of God living and abiding in these earthen vessels. To actually know what it means to feel God in your soul. That's available to us. Job as well as the rest of the people who have gone on before us was justified. But they're missing a main ingredient like the people who went before us. Now we, the people who are now looking back, are missing the main ingredient that the people who went before us were missing. And that is sanctification. In their daily walk of life. You see, God told us in the Torah a long time ago. He says, be ye holy, for I am holy. That's only for his people. It's not for the world. It's not for all these other tribes and nations and creed at that particular time in the old covenant. But however, when Messiah came and he died and he gave up the ghost, and he went to the Father and satisfied the sacrifice. And he came again. And he told us that he, we were going to receive a promise that coming from the Father. When he ascended up to the Father, he sent the Holy Spirit back to us. And he gave us something to go on that we were going to need in his end time that people did not have made available to them. Hallelujah. Just like the people of old had to be sanctified, we today must be sanctified in our daily walk. And to make sure that this process could be done, he gave us his Holy Spirit. So what's really going on? Well, there are a few things that are really going on. There are a few things we need to know before we go forward today. The first one is this. We are finite beings. That's what we are. We are finite beings. That means we have bounds. We have limits. And we are measurable. We see through a glass darkly. Because we can see everything, there would be no need to ask for understanding. The question would not exist in our mind, why? So yet it's still there. We do not understand the ways of God. So according to the scriptures, if we are to understand the ways of God, then we must become very active and not passive in seeking and searching out and looking to understand the way of God. And even in that, it takes some time. 
Some of us are privileged because somebody else has done burnt the oil that we were not willing to burn. To give us an understanding. And I will tell you that there has not been one man that has ever been chosen of God that was willing from the beginning to go. But once they got there and they understood, they went. The reason why there was so much resistance is because man in his limited ability of having eternal knowledge. Just like Peter, very apprehensive in stepping out on the water. So are we very apprehensive in stepping out on the truth. Because the truth is not comfortable to a mind that doesn't know. But when a mind is informed and a mind does know, then the truth is made available. The truth is there like a revelation. And then we ask ourselves after receiving the knowledge of the truth, what took me so long to walk in it? And this is one of the main reasons why we as the people of God don't have much understanding today. We're not really seeking for it. And we're not searching for it. But I will tell you what we do do. We question everything with our limited minds. Even though we all admit that our minds are very finite. And we expect answers for what we already think we understand. And as a result of this kind of behavior, people have chosen through ignorance to define God for themselves. So we put a cap on God. And God can only be as big as my mind is. We have to be careful of this, brothers and sisters. Hmm? We've had people go on before us whose lives were an open book. They didn't have the opportunity nor the privilege to have somebody else, like us, to be able to look back and see the very character and nature of God. There's not another book in the scriptures that show us how personal God is than Job is. Because everything that is earthly to us, and that we can only understand that book right there, it opens up the heavenlies to us. And as much even still today that God is misrepresented, I mean, we live in a generation where people call the actions of God Satan. And they call the actions of Satan God. A confused people. Are we understanding this? God is not the author of confusion. That's what the scripture says. God doesn't want us to be in darkness, brothers and sisters. He wants us to walk in the light. Light, revelation, knowing, understanding, perceiving, revealed. 
You don't get knowledge. You don't get understanding. And you do not get revelation truth by being passive. Proverbs 25 verse 2. And if you can, try to just write these scriptures down so we can move right along today. The scripture says, it is the glory of God to conceal a thing. But the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Now, does not God call us kings and priests? You see, the problem is we don't really know who we are. Because we forget about the warfare that we're in. If we could really understand the testimony of God towards us. You see, the one thing I did not tell you and I did not disclose this morning was, is that even though we're finite beings, the scriptures plainly does know what is God's attitude and heart and love for us. But we have an invisible adversary that is warring and fighting against us every step of the way. So as kings and as priests, it is an honor to be able, in this limited amount of time that we have, in this life, to search out the matter of the way of the Most High. Ecclesiastes 1.13 says, And I gave my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom. Did y'all hear that? Where else can we draw wisdom from? What well can it come from but the Most High? It can't come from nowhere but him. There is no other wisdom. Seeing he is the sum of all wisdom. He is the principal thing. The picture I'm trying to paint in the image of our mind is, is that these are our people that took action. He said, and I gave my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom. Concerning all things that are done under heaven. Brothers and sisters, if we just ask questions of each other of why things are going on down here, why is this this way, why is that that way, why do men war and fight amongst each other, uh, we are, I promise you this, we will never get any answers. So we got to look to somebody who's higher than man who has his foot on his earth. We've got to give ourselves. This sore travail hath God given to the sons of man to be exercised their will. Jeremiah 29 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. This is the most high. Saith the Lord, saith Yahweh, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an unexpected end you wouldn't believe how many people don't know where they're going when they pass these days that we live in it's not in vanity it's not in vain God's thoughts towards us is why we're here to live a life of peace And to keep evil away from us. The problem is. Is our infinite mind. Who thinking that we know everything. 
Seems like we have a love affair with evil. Something terribly wrong. But God said, I want you to have peace. I want to keep you from evil. And then in the end, you know what's expected. Then, this is what he says. Shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me. And I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me. When, based on the condition now, when, that's a condition, you shall search for me with action, not passive, all your heart. See, we got to be a people of action, brothers and sisters. Amen? So as a result, People are not seeking and searching. The church has become a place of um, grocery shopping. Meaning that we walk into this place like we do some supermarket and we pick out the items we like. Mind you, I started this thing by letting us know that our, we're very finite. And that's what we do when we come to assembly. We pick out the things of God like we do in the grocery store. And this is one of the main reasons why preachers are so misunderstood today. Real, true, bona fide. Holy Spirit filled. Pastors out to God's own heart. We're so misunderstood today. You will not believe how many times I hear the statement, I don't understand why. I don't understand why and I don't understand why. I say, okay, let me tell you why. Then it's no longer, I don't understand why. Because see, in the don't understand why, that's been moved, removed from you. Now it has to do with will. Do you will to do? Well, if you're not your own, it's not even a, a question. Hallelujah. Learning is a very painful experience. Especially... When you come to the knowledge of how stupid you've been. Now, I don't mean to insult us anyway, but, you know, I've just got to use words that are easy for common people to understand. And so I like using words that I've used personally for myself. Stupid. I understand that kind of language. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 3.14 says, turn old backsliding children, turn old backsliding children, turn old backsliding children, say of Yahweh, and I am married unto you, for I am married unto you. And I will take you, watch this, watch this. I will take you, and you will see even the fulfillment of this, just the scripture in itself right here, because the prophet Jeremiah was the only one who said it. Isaiah said it himself. Whereas this used to be just for one nation, when the day of Pentecost came and God gave and filled, poured out his Holy Spirit upon all flesh, he made the Holy Spirit available unto all nations. It was such a revelation truth to the apostles of that day that even they were appalled. And when they went to the elders, and the elders concerned because you went in and you 
sat with people who were unclean. Well, let me tell you what happened. You remember the, and know the same Holy Spirit that God gave us? He gave it to them. So the people that were not a people of God, now they are able to become the sons of God. Is that not beautiful? He says, for I would take you one of a city and two of a family. And I will bring you to Zion. Y'all hear that? That expresses a lot to me. That means I express that God doesn't have the same concern that we have. If he's going to take one of a city, and we all know we got all kind of family members in the city, don't we? He's only interested in one. He's going to take two of a family. And like I said, when you look around at us, if I was just to start right here and go all the way around this little assembly right here, huh? when you really look at it, we've only, let me see, how many are from Lafayette? Just, that's, that's one, that's one. Because when a man and woman join together and them two become, see, one is just not one individual. That's one. That's all we're supposed to get in the fed then. Look how many people came. And look how many people were gone, that are gone. Somebody said, oh, hold on, Pastor, you can't let me God. I've been here 11 years. And what lie have I told? So God says when they don't receive in one city, you shake dust off your feet and go to the next. That's how he talks. Then he turns around and says this. Look what he says. And two of a family. Of a family. And I will bring you to Zion, and I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and under. That's the reason why we're here, brothers and sisters. So if there are things that, that you don't know and you don't understand, that's the reason why we're here. We're not here to feed you the seed of lies. We're here to feed you with the knowledge of the Most High. Amen? Now let's look at this thing for what it really is. I want, this time I want everybody to turn into their scriptures, the Proverbs, the first chapter. And we're going to see what the word of, of the Lord says. Amen? Because we're going to be back at this particular point of scripture here in a minute. So please listen very carefully. It would behoove you to. Amen. Starting in verse 24. Proverbs 1.24. Because I have called. This is God called, right? Ye and ye refused. Did you hear that? I have stretched out my hand and no man regard. But, I, but ye have set at naught all my counsels. How many counsels? Did the people say it? All of them. And with none of my reproofs. Listen to what he says. Now all this is predicated upon the action of people. His people. I'm going to start again. Because I have called and you refused. God did what? He called but the people did what? Refused. I have stretched out my hand. Did not God do that? Huh? And no man regard. No man took notice of it. Get it away from me. Y'all seeing this now? 
Huh? But you, but you have said it not, all of my counsel, you count it light. Ain't even important. And none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock you. I will mock when your fear cometh. Why is God doing this? Because man has already spurned him. It's not that he wanted to do that. You hear this? When your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For they that hateth knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would not of my counsels. They despised all my reproofs. Therefore shall they eat the fruit of their own way. And be filled with their own devices. And for turning away of the simple shall slay them. And the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whosoever hearken unto me shall dwell safely. Whoever listen, take heed, obey. And shall be quiet from fear of evil. Satan is the evil working spirit. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 1, And you have he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. He's letting us know what our former state was. And the only way we were quickened because of the entrance of the Holy Spirit into our bodies, into our souls. Amen. And he says, so he's speaking to us. He said, and you he have quickened. Now, every one of you have received, who have received the Holy Spirit. Don't count that a small thing, a light thing at all. All you need to do is just take an account of all your former days of old that you lived in waste, not ever having his spirit and then ask yourself an informed intelligent question do you want to live without his spirit sometimes we need to remind ourselves of the goodness of God we really do and you have he quickened that means made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince and power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Among whom also we had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, our very nature, the children of wrath, even as others. We have an invisible enemy, an invisible but very real person that is opposed to God and hates us. And in the beginning, Satan's great work was to cause the fall of man. That was his great work right there was to cause the fall of man, to usurp his dominion, and to try to prevent the coming of Jesus Christ. 
so that he could defeat God and avert his own defeat. So our adversary, Satan, so as his name is, failed, so he changed his tactics. Now he does everything he can to prevent and to persuade as many as he can to believe in a false messiah. And he offers this salvation to the world. Which is no salvation at all. Because he is the God of this world. He offers another Jesus. Using the same name. But yet different in character. Different in nature. Different in principle. Different in image. He uses another Jesus. That the Bible does not even speak about. He uses so-called biblical principles to deceive many through false misrepresentations of the truth. I like to better yet define that eloquent speech as just flat out old fashioned lies. So I, see, I can understand that kind of language. Mm -hmm. He likes to paint a picture of this so-called salvation so he uses his other Jesus and Paul warned us about it. Paul knew that Satan, our adversary, he knew what he was doing. He knew exactly what he was doing. And Paul tried his best, not only to warn the people of his day, but when he wrote and put pen to parchment and stuff, and it was passed down through the ages to warn us of this adversary, this, this deceiver, this opposer of truth. And he says it like this in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 1. Would to God, ye could bear with me a little in my folly. Do y'all understand that? Because the preaching of the cross is foolishness to everyone in the world that don't believe. But to us, it is salvation. It is foolish to see a man sitting up here acting like he's really talking and representing something and I can't really see where I'm going. At least a politician at least when he's up giving out all of his lies, at least people know what he's shooting for. He's shooting for an office. And he needs your vote to get there. But us, we're talking about the invisible, the immortal, the eternal, the only wise God, the high potentate. That's who we're talking about, brothers and sisters. The king of glory. So Paul says, bear with me in my folly. If it seems foolish, just bear with me a little bit. And indeed, he's begging, bear with me. That's kind of like that language, I beseech you. Please, I invoke you. I am, I am inviting you. Come near. That's, this is what he's doing. This is the importance he's bringing right here. He says, for I am jealous with you over a godly jealous. For I have espoused you to one husband. Just one now. That I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. How does he want to present us? Chaste virgin to Christ. How we washed through the word. That's it. And he's given us the words of eternal life. But listen to what he's saying right here. But I fear, this is a fear now. He's not talking about in being in terror fear. The fear is something may not take place in you. But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve, as the serpent tricked Eve, as the serpent deceived Eve. Is that right? Yes. 
through his subtlety, through his shrewdness, through his cunning ability to deceive. He says, so your minds, your what brothers and sisters? So your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For he, for if he, he's speaking about somebody, cometh, preacheth another Jesus. Y'all hear that? If he cometh and preach another Jesus, the only Jesus we can know is what's written down in his book, brothers and sisters. Anything other than that, it is not the Messiah, the salvation, the Yahshua of the world. The only one that can save a man's soul. So, for if he cometh preacher of another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit, you hear that? Which you have not received, or another gospel. You know, y'all hear me make, I mean, I really, I expose all these other ways, all these other shrewd ways and devices that men have conjured up through satanic sources. To try to make people think that they're really saved when they're not. Because they have not come through the door. I believe in walking through a door because that's what it's there for. That'd be kind of foolish if all of us came into church through the windows, wouldn't it? I mean, what's use having a door then? Hallelujah. You understand that, guy? Yes, sir. Good. So he's warning us about. Somebody preaching another gospel, another Jesus. Is that right? Uh, another spirit, represent another another spirit that we haven't received. Is that right? Which you have not accepted, you might wear just you know what he says. Just bear with him. Is that right? So what's going on? He cannot prevent us from believing Satan. So now he uses doctrines to say. That the works of Jesus Christ were only for the early church and not for today. Have you ever heard that gospel before? He sends another spirit that says, you've been saved once, you say no matter what you do. He sends another gospel of salvation and it goes a little something like this. Do you believe that Jesus, because after all you have to confess with your mouth. The Lord Jesus Christ. And believe that God rose him from the dead. Do you believe that Jesus is to say, well, yes, I do. Good. Then repeat out to me. Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm saved. Thank you for coming in my heart to save me. Now, good, amen, you're saved. That is not the gospel that John the Baptist came and thundered. Because John said, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John said, repent and believe the gospel. Jesus told the people of his day, unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. The message to the early church for all those who are ordained to eternal life, men and brethren, what shall we do? Repent and be baptized. In the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. 
But this other gospel make people think that they're saved. Because he is true. Remember, he beguiled Eve through his subtlety. Very cunning. Very tricky. You think about it. If a spirit ever get a hold of you, who can keep you from it? If your mind is made up, deceit is strong. Real strong. Hallelujah. You know, but he's give us a, a blessed hope by saying you do these things, you'll never fall. Never fall. Never fall. Never fall. You don't even have to worry about entertaining it. So you see, there's all these other ways, programs, ideas, philosophies, theology. I just read the other day that this crazy Jesus' name, religion, is foolishness of the day. When, when people finally get intelligent enough and educated enough, then they realize they don't need Jesus. Because education and intelligence would teach them they can make it for themselves. This, this is the sentiment, brothers and sisters. Now, I'm painting the, the true way. You, just, you can't even hardly go down the road a good 15 miles and not meet somebody who didn't believe or does not still believe one of these ways. So if people believe these lies of Satan, Satan would succeed. He couldn't prevent man from coming to God. He tried his best. He tried to kill the way of the Messiah coming to save his people from their sins but he couldn't do it so now he has to do everything he can to distort deceive warp twist and make man fall back from the truth so he wants to defeat us he wants us to make us think that we are powerless today and our walk with God is nothing is not this the condition of the majority of the people who claim to be the church today? It says over in Timothy, who would have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. That, that's what he would. But is everybody going to come to the knowledge of truth? Is all men going to be saved? See, these are reality points, brothers and sisters, that we just need to flat out come to the knowledge of. Amen? But Jesus said, even though Satan is has rendered the majority of the people who name the name of Christ, you have to be careful which one it is now. Because the truth is, it makes no difference that these people were filled with the Holy Spirit and name the name of Christ, or these people are not filled with the Holy Spirit and name the name of Christ. He has just about rendered 99.9% .9 of the church impotent. Powerless. Fruitless. He's a, he, that's, that's what he's doing. Because then he ought to worry about no fight. Just casualties. But Jesus said you shall receive power. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. To the othermost parts of the earth. That's what Jesus said. But Jesus said verily, verily I say unto you. That he that believeth on me the works that I do. Shall he do also and greater works than these shall he do. Because I go unto the father. And whatsoever you ask the father in my name. I, that will I do. That the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask anything. In my name I will do it. Now that's pretty bold. That's, that's pretty bold words now. 
All he got to do is get his people to get to the point where they're willing and obedient. And when they have confidence in knowing who they serve, they will ask. And he will do. But God just cannot wait to perform his word. See, we're telling it, we, we, we paint it all, brothers and sisters. Jesus said, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, and they shall speak with new tongues. Now, let's really look at this thing for what it really is. We're going to go to Job, the first chapter. We're going to read two verses. Amen. Everybody doing pretty good? We're going to read verses 8 and 9, all right? And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth? Now, I want y'all to listen to this. This is God, God, who is all-knowing, omniscient, omnipresent, Alpha and Omega, who knows the beginning and the end. The one who says the first and the last. The everlasting. This is his testimony of Job. In the spirit realm. Against the accuser. And the Lord said, as I consider my servant Job, there is none like him in the earth. A perfect and upright man. One that feareth God and ensueth what? Evil. Is that right? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Do of Job fear God for what? Not. Now think about this. Why in the world would Yahweh point out Job to Satan? I mean, I'm sure we can say, Where's well, Job's book? But think about this for a moment. See, we see Satan is not like God. He can't be everywhere every time. It, it, it clearly tells he goes to and fro. That means he can only be in one place at one time. Hmm? I mean, he's, he's also still letting us know he's got access. He can go right up there and talk straight to God. I mean, God can't stand him, but he's got something he's doing. And he, he gave him the name Satan, which means adversary. <laughs> Isn't that something? Got his enemy sitting right in front of him. And then he says, never mind, he just going to and fro. And he said, have you considered Job? Like Satan didn't know where he was. He knew exactly where he was. Huh? Look at God's wonderful testimony of Job, though. Say, we're going to learn something today. Couldn't get nobody to say it. All I did was say, say, we're going to learn something today. Everybody's, well, praise the Lord. I guess we all speak with different dialects, don't we? God's point of view of Job, he was perfect and upright. He shewed evil. He feared God. That's his testimony. Job did not know this about himself. Job would have never knew this about himself until he was tried. I hope y'all really listen from, I mean, really undivided attention from this point on. Amen. 
God promised in his word that he would never, ever tempt us. Yet we're tempted, buffeted, tried every single day. Tried, yep, tempt, no. He promised he would never tempt us. The word of God says, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempt he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Somebody say, my problems are my own. What a revelation. Wish I had a mirror up here. Pow! Y'all hear that? Let me quote the last part of the verse. But every man is tempted. Now remember the verse before that. God does not tempt man. And neither is he tempted. Is that right? Amen? Amen? God can't be tempted with evil. Neither does he tempt man with evil. But every man is tempted. Somebody say, I am tempted. When he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Again, somebody say, my problem is my own. Now, let me tell the truth. My problems is my own. Because we ain't just got just one problem, brother and sister. We, God, come on, we deceiving our God. Come on. Amen. Say something, brother Juan. Everything else, you amen, pastor. Don't leave me now, brother. We're going to tell it like it is? Is that all right? I, I tell you what, I thank God for the book of Job. Because we have spent so much time in this book over the years. Job was drawn away by his own lust and enticed. Now, mind you, this thing started with God asking Satan, have you considered my servant? He already let him know who he is. My servant, Job. My servant, Job. Are y'all listening? Somebody say, Pastor Dow is not my enemy. And then the rest of you think I am, I'll be the best one you ever had. Let's ask the question, okay? Was Job drawn away by his own lust and enticed? The scripture can't be broken. I, we just read over in James 1.14, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. You know, we, we got to stop this point, putting forth the finger, blame shifting, blaming everybody else for our failures and our faults victims in every circumstance we got you, you, are you going to try to tell me if it wasn't nobody else in this world that you wouldn't have a sin problem come on, come on. Come on. Huh? so you need somebody around don't you yeah uh huh so you can blame All right now, Amen. Satan claimed Job would curse God if his earthly possessions and material wealth was taken away. Hmm? 
Did Job curse God? No. I got a new revelation for you. He cursed him 17 times. And we're going to visit that. Somebody said, oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, we're going to watch this now. Did God know that Job would curse himself? I'm asking questions. I know it's hard to understand. An informed mind of the Bible, a Bible believing would actually, and he, you know, he would actually, wouldn't think that Job would curse God or he would not curse himself. But the problem is we don't understand what a curse is. Let me help us this way. Have you ever cursed yourself? Have you ever cursed yourself? Let me give you some examples if you still don't know what it is. Man, I wish I could die. Why in the world was I created? I wish this thing just come on to an end. I'm sick and tired of all this. We're going to show you how talking like that, you curse God. We're going to show you now. We're going to leave you hanging now. Amen. See, I told you, it's all about understanding. All right? Because, see, if we understand, then we'll stop this foolishness, wouldn't we? Yes, sir, we will, too. Let me ask another question. Did God know that Job had sin in his heart? Did Job know it? We're doing pretty good. So God knew and Job didn't know. How did God know? Because God is all-knowing. How come Job didn't know? Because he's finite. Thank you, brother. <laughs> All right? Did God know that Job would accuse him of evil? Uh-oh. Y'all didn't even know that Job accused God of evil, did you? What was y'all at during that 14-hour message of Job I did? I got over 40 chapters of Job justifying himself. Oh, okay. Well, we'll get going. Did God know that Job had fear in his heart? Did Job know? How did God know? He's all-knowing. Why come Job didn't know? He's in fine. <laughs> That's stock answers, isn't it? How did God know that Job would accuse him? He's all-knowing. Job didn't think he would ever would, did he? Why? Because he's finite. He looks through a glass darkly. Hi, Job. Hi, Job. Hi, Job. Now, this is my own personal belief about things. This is my own personal belief about things. My own personal belief about things. I'm making it clear. All right? God knows all things. That means past, present, and future. My own personal belief now, okay? 
I see people questioning God all the time. While they will not seek him, they will not seek him for understanding. I sit and watch people try to come to understanding with their finite minds, but they will not search for the truth. But just like Job did for over 40 something chapters, question God, we will too. Why? The question is do we know all things from the beginning to the end? And the answer is no. We do not know all things from beginning to the end. The only way that even now we can look into heaven is because what has already been written. All right? We read Proverbs 124, right? Earlier, I told you we're going to come back and revisit again. We're gonna, I'm going to read it again because I want to bring us up online, all right? Because I have called, God calls that, right? And you refuse. I have stretched out my hand and no man regard it. <clears throat> but you have said it not all my counsel and would none of my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock you when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation when your de and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they will shall not find me. For they that hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. You hear that? They were none of my counsels. They despise all my reproofs. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. See what happens when you spurn God's knowledge? You burn his reproof. You spurn his reproof and correction. God said, that's all you're going to go on. You're going to be filled with your own way. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whosoever hearken unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from the fear of evil. Now, before we go any further, let's look and see what God says about us. And we're going to hit the new covenant there, all right? Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who have blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Ephesians 5.27 That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. How God wants us to be? Holy. Holy and without what? Colossians 1.18. We're going to read on to the 25th verse. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him... To reconcile all things unto himself by him, I say, whether they be things in earth 
or things in heaven and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works yet now he hath reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If you continue in faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you. And fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake. Which is the church. Wherefore I made a minister. According to the dispensation of God. Which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Hebrews 9, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Jude one twenty four. now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceedingly joy. Today, people are trying to hold a legal position of justification, looking back to the cross and excluding themselves from the work of the sanctification process. We are justified freely by his grace, but many of us are refusing to be sanctified in our daily walk and in his experience. Leviticus 11.44 says, For I am Yahweh, your God. Ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves. Ye shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall ye defile yourself with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. For I am Yahweh that bringeth you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be Holy, for I am holy. Why does God want us to be holy? Because he is holy. I don't think that's a tall order. I think that, uh, it's a prerogative, isn't it? I mean, he created us. Not we ourselves, isn't that right? I don't have no problem with it. Anything else, Father? Job was no more without sin as we are today. God knew Job's heart just as he knows our hearts. However, God knew Job would repent. Newsflash. Job didn't know he would repent. See, when Satan came before the eternal, the all-wise, the all-knowing, the omnipotent, the most high. 
And God said, you consider my servant Job? God knowing the end from the beginning, he knew Job, even though he went through all that, would repent. But you know what? God had to give Job the opportunity to repent because Job had a picture painted of himself that God saw like we all got pictures painted of ourselves. And we don't know ourselves like he knows us. So every trial, every tribulation, every distress, every anguish, every persecution, everything, it all comes to us for one reason and one reason alone. So we can have the opportunity to be holy. The naked truth. Whenever we go through these trials and tribulations, knowing that they perfect us. Is that right? Some of us are going to make it. Some of us are not going to make it. It ain't that God does not desire for us to make it. It's just that when persecutions and afflictions come, by and by, immediately they are offended. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Why? Because of the finite mind. Because of the refusal of knowing his ways and what he's there for. I just read over and over again that he's here to purge us from our dead works. He's there to purge our conscience. Did, did we not just, did I not read that? Did I not read that? How can we know how to be holy if we're not ever tested and tried? I'm sorry, folk, but we do have a high opinion of ourselves. Yeah, we do too. We think this about ourselves. We think that about ourselves. Yeah, we do. We think we know ourselves. You don't know yourself. That's why a lot of times I tell you, y'all heard me ever say this to y'all around here, many of you, many different times. I hope that you are able to stand up under your own judgment. And I'm not saying that to mean injury. I really, I'm just telling you a factual truth. You know why I'm saying that? Because I have knowledge. And I have understanding. I know that everybody's on different levels of understanding. I don't see myself clearly as I should. I, there's no way that God would even put me up here before you as the pastor if I couldn't see better than you. That's why I'm teaching. We know the book of Job. Job did not know. Job thought he was just like any other eloquent man. He didn't know what was in his heart. He didn't know what was in his heart until he was tempted. How often do we do when the enemy comes in like a flood? Hmm. Job never knew he would repent. Job vented, Job kicked, Job justified himself, Job judged God as unjust for over 40 chapters. And it was not until the end that Job came to this conclusion. Job 40 verse 4, notice, I didn't say 4, I said 40 verse 4. I'm giving y'all time to get there because I know you want to hear it. 
Listen to what it said. Job said, behold, I am vile. How long did it take him to come to that conclusion? 40 chapters. Somebody say, thank God for Job. Because I sure wouldn't want my business aired out like that. Job's aired out. Job is hung out to dry for everybody who coming after him to see who we really are. Job said, I am vile. Vile means, look at this now. He means, I am swift. Number 7043, I'm swift, I'm trifling. I'm of little account. I am insignificant. I'm despicable. I'm full of contempt and dishonor. Trifling. I'm of very little importance. I'm small in value. Frivolous and worthless. Can you imagine of finally coming to this knowledge about yourself? What a train wreck. Some of us still ain't hit the wall yet. I said some of us still ain't hit the wall yet. Meaning some of us hadn't had a wreck and woke up yet. We have not had a revelation. We, we have really truly not had a real true heaven sent revelation of ourselves. No we ain't either. We haven't. Job say I am vile. Listen to what he says. Now, he, notice, he says this because did it not say that the Lord said, answer me? Job said, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? But how long did it, how long did it take for Job to come to this knowledge? Forty chapters later. This world has preached to us a Job church lie. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Huh? The Lord give, he don't take away. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. See, it's going to take, you want to, like I said, understanding. Wellspring of life, you've got to get in here. We just read, God said, I know my thoughts towards you. Thoughts of peace. And to give you an inspected end. We just got finished reading in the new covenant. For you to be holy. For I'm holy. Joe said behold I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I will lay my hand upon my mouth. Why? Because Job sure did a lot of talking. Job talked his rear end off. He talked. I mean, he exposed all of his heart. But his heart was right in his own eyes. His heart was justified in his own eyes. While Job was talking, he didn't know he was that way. It wasn't until the end of this revelation that Bing, the light comes on and then Job finally says ah, God. Oh. can you imagine 
imagine him sitting up and thinking to himself, I can't believe it. I just said all this. I've judged God. I've... Job said, I was going to keep my mouth shut. From this point on, I ain't got nothing else to say. Did not the Bible tell us that every man is right in his what? Job came to the conclusion, didn't he? Job came to the conclusion, I got a beam. I'm going to remove it. Yeah, he did too. I can't even hardly get past first verse for the revelation of it. Well, look at this thing, brothers and sisters. Behold, I am vowed. What shall I answer you, God? What shall I? Huh? I will lay my hand upon my mouth. Once have I spoken, but I will not answer. Yea, twice, but I will not proceed no farther. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Job goes on and says, look at this. No, then answered Yahweh. Who's doing the speaking? God is. Then answered the Lord. Unto Job, out of the whirlwind. And said, gird up your loins now like a man. I will demand of thee and declare thou to me. Will thou also disannul my judgment? God saying, will you also frustrate? Will you also break? Will you also violate my ordinances and my very seat of judgment? This is how God talking. Will thou condemn me? Who's doing the talking here, brothers and sisters? You look at this joke. Will thou also disannul my judgment? Will thou condemn me that thou mayest be righteous? Look, don't look like God just let him just go on and repent, come to himself, and let him get by with it, though, did he? He asked Job, do you got an arm like God? Or can you thunder with a voice like him? By now, I'd been at least 12 inches on the ground. I'd, I'd been throwing dust on top of my head. I'd been, a mole wouldn't have had anything on me. Because I'd been so ashamed. I'd literally been so ashamed. Look what he says. No, 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 he's talking to Jonah. Look, he said, look, deck thyself now with majesty and excellence. Do it. You do it yourself since you know everything. You do it. And array thyself with glory and beauty. Array yourself with glory and beauty. Do it. Huh? Cast abroad the rage of thy wrath. In other words, you got some wrath? Send it way over there. See what kind of effect it's going to have. And behold, everyone that is proud and abase him. Look on everyone that is proud and bring him low. And tread down the wicked in their place. Then God goes on and starts talking about, can you draw out Leviathan? 
Do y'all understand this? Can y'all see the reason why I said by then I've been trying my best to be at least two feet on the ground? Because Job had his very high, lofty opinion of himself. He thought he was this, thought he was that. And then when judgment came, he accused all other things that was happening to him. God did this. God did that. And where's he at? Won't he answer me? Hey, how come he don't answer me? Why come he just don't give me the answer? Tell me, God, why this? Why that? Y'all to read 38 and 39 because that's when God starts really plowing into him real good. And then after that little talk, Job finally came to the point saying, I'm vowing, and God's still putting the heat on him. He's still putting the heat on him. How many times you folks sit up here and hear this preacher talking, and I'm in God's stead, preaching his word, and yet you burn hot within yourself, spurning the very word of God. These same words belong to us. These same words, yes, they are, they are us. They are straight, flat out to us. Who are we that going to condemn the word of God? I mean, some of us would, God, you go to hell so I can be righteous. That's what Job is doing. Will thou condemn me that thou mayest be righteous? That's pretty arrogant, pretty bold. Do you know what is terrifying today? People are not at all trying to be sanctified and holy in this sight. That's terrifying. You know why it's so terrifying? Because when you know what I know, when you know what I know, and I don't know everything I want to know, I'm just talking about the limited, very limited amount of knowledge and wisdom that has been given to me. When you know what I know, it's a terrifying thing to not see people who God laid down his life for, and then you can't lay your life down for him. I'm talking about your mind, your conscience, your body, your substance. I, I just don't. I just don't get. I, I'm talking from understanding. And I didn't have presented to me anywhere near what y'all had presented to y'all. I didn't have the knowledge when I was born again. What I have today. All I had was a lot of faith. Faith means okay. The world call it blind faith. That's what they call it. Faith means you go out not knowing where. Faith means we walk by faith and not by. I don't have to have things painted out before me and laid out and have a, a dot here, direction over there. I just need, all I need to do is just go. Where he leads me, I will follow. How would you know where he leads you? If you can't step out in the water. God ain't going to tell you that the water is going to sink you. But you have faith, you'll stand. God is not going to tell you, hey, you go this way, this is what's going to happen, 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 this is what's going to happen. No, God said, then it won't be faith then. Abraham went out not knowing where? But he counted him faithful. Him. In other words, he didn't trust in his own self. He trusted in him. 
Abraham told people he was hearing voices. Everybody called him a crackpot, kook, nut, fanatic, lost his mind. See what I'm talking about? This is the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. It's almost lost today. When he comes, will he find this kind of faith on this earth? See, I didn't know 11 years ago when we started off that you'd be sitting in front of me. I didn't know what was going to happen. I just believe God. That's the only way I know how to live. That's the way you need to learn how to live. The Lord is a provider. Yes, he is too. See, it's not a priority in most people's lives. But to us who understand and keep, seek daily of his ways, for his ways. It is a privilege and a distinguished honor that is bestowed upon us. Behold, what manner of love the Father has given unto us. Behold, what manner of love the Father has given unto us. That we should be called the sons of God. That we should be called the sons of God. In the old covenant, the sons of God were named angels. In the new covenant, they are named the saints. First Peter 2 9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but now are the people of God, which had not obtained mercy but now have attained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles that whereas they speak against you as evildoers they may, by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. You see, saints, God knew that Job would repent. He knew that Job would purge himself from dead works. The entire 42nd chapter, Job is repenting. The whole entire chapter. Let me ask each and every one of us here today a question. 
we can see clearly how God was dealing with Job and his great love for him. We get the chance to view the very character of God. God has put other people's lives on display for us to learn by. We're without excuse. Without excuse. Do you know your heart? Do you know if you will repent? Do you know how many times you have heard his voice and the voice of the Holy Spirit and yet you still go your own way? He said in his word, my spirit shall not always strive with man. The admonishment is and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you're sealed until the day of redemption. I can promise you this. If you're one of his, if you're one of his, Jesus was one of his. And the first thing he did was send him into the wilderness of sin to be tempted of the devil. When he came out of that fight, there's no temptation. Nothing that he hadn't overcome and he would ever fall by. Every single one of us got a wilderness of sin we're in right now. But I promise you this, if you're one of his, nothing would change you for the better at all until you are completely annihilated and pulverized. We serve our God for love and relationship and our obedience lies in our obedience lies his promised blessings. Deuteronomy 28, the first 15 verses speak of blessings. He tells us clearly, you do all these things and all these blessings shall be yours. But we really truly look at ourselves, brothers and sisters, we, let's be really be truthful. We follow the way of curses. Yes, we have. And still, some of us are still following the way of curses. If not all of us. God's protection is promised when we are obedient. It's a promise. Can't be broken. But it is removed because of disobedience. You need to know this. You can't serve two masters. If God makes a promise that these blessings will come on you, they will overtake you, it's the truth. But if you're disobedient, now remember, you're finite in your mind. And a lot of times we don't call disobedience like God does. But yet and still our calamity, our tribulations, our persecution, our anguish, our spirits, our no rest and no peace doesn't teach us that somehow, someway, we ain't in order with God. Our rebellion, our obstinacy, our vindictive natures and 
attitudes. It doesn't tell us that somehow, someway, we ain't at peace with God. We're here to put an image, a face, a voice before you so that you can hear the word of the Lord to see the way God sees. Because whereas you don't see it for yourself, when you hear it, voice, life, spark, breath, a spirit before you, there's no room for misunderstanding. So God's protection is true when we are obedient. We can expect his blessing, but when you're disobedient, it's removed. Read the entire chapter of Deuteronomy 28 again and again and again. We just read Proverbs 124 through 33. Did we not? We read it twice as a matter of fact. Did we not? Over in Galatians, the sixth chapter, he says this. Verse 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. And whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reapeth. So Satan's attack upon Job was because of sin in his life, just like ours. And if the attack of our enemy is with cause, with cause, meaning he has a cause to attack us, we need to repent and forgive in order to cancel Satan's legal claim. Before we can resist and rebuke him. See, what's going on today is, is we choose to be disobedient. Make light of. Cast away. Act in ignorance and rebellion. Throw away God's word from our conscience and mind. And then we say, we fulfill the word of the Lord. Saul said that too, didn't he? Did he not say that? We've been obedient. And what we're doing is, is um, we're doing like Job said over here. What, like, like God said to Job. He says, um, are you going to condemn me that you may be righteous? All right. If the attack is without cause to trick us into deception of sin, we must resist and rebuke Satan or he will continue his attack. Satan's theory was no man serves God without material gain. Well, that devil is a liar. Because I ain't, I sold everything before we even moved here. I sold everything. Had a mountain of debt, sold everything. So I didn't have nothing. Like many of you, you didn't have nothing. So that, that devil's a lie. We're not serving him because of material gain. Hallelujah. Is that right? Now I'm going to continue to serve him too. One thing I have though, I've had the uncanny ability to outlast all my judges. Every once in a while, I see them around, look at them, and go, ooh. That's all I say, too. Don't say nothing else. You know the reason why I don't say nothing else? I'm one breath from being there. All I have to do is believe one deceiving liar, spirit. 
That's all I do. That's the reason why I'm walking circumspectly, brothers and sisters. And not as a fool. I admonish you to do the same thing. Don't be torn around with his enemy. We're getting tired of too much knowledge and understanding. I don't sit and mock and, and jeer, celebrate and laugh because somebody's on their way to hell and without God. That's a very serious thing. That's why I don't even, I just, hmm. I just go on. I take note for my own self. Satan claimed that Job would curse God. And sad to say that he did. The word cursing does not mean, as I've been trying to point this over to us throughout the years, especially with us in our mind, the way we learn, the word curse or cursing God, you don't curse God by saying, God damn. That ain't cursing God. God damn. That is not cursing God. You know why? Because number one, God will not be damned. He's the one that's going to be doing the damning. That's just some shallow fear and perspective that comes from a finite mind who has no understanding. Cursing God is to make light and little of and belittle his commandments and his laws. It's thinking that they're not important to obey his word. This is what cursing God is. Six things Satan's used to attack Job. First of all, he used the Sabaeans people then he used fire from heaven then he used the Chaldeans more people then he used the elements then he used disease and then he used an ungodly wife you can read all that in the first three chapters the emphasis was how quickly the calamities came upon Job and they came in like a flood too, without reservation. Satan intended to overwhelm Job, and he intended to overwhelm Job for reasons, and this is the reason. How many times things have not gone right in life because of our own transgressions and sins? Yet we justify ourselves like Job did and say we're not deserving. We've done nothing. I'm a victim. Now, I do agree you haven't done nothing. I agree with that. Nothing but make a mess of stuff. Amen. Then follows the same old thing like Job did. While things are getting worse, all we do is sit around. Sit back and complain. Murmur about things. Not working. Or people uh, judging them. In passivity. So while things are getting worse, we ain't doing nothing about it but complaining, murmuring. We have done any of this before. Job, huh? We actually do not even think about how God limits Satan's attack on us, even though we're disobedient. We don't even think about that. All we care about is what's happening with us. God is not even at all in the thought process. He needs to get there. He needs to get there real quick. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath, he would give for his life. Now, this is not the same thing going on today. You know, uh, the skin for skin thing. 
people get sick because of the oppressions of Satan. Is that right? They never repent, but they run to the hospitals where the doctors are. And man will spend all that he has. And including yours too. Skin for skin. Gay will too. Meaning everything that he owns. That's supposed to be there for food. His substance. His home. His lands. His savings. His gold. His silver. And when that runs out, he'll go to yours. He'll keep going to the next. Skin for skin, a man will give all that he has. That's what Satan said. Huh? I mean, in Mark 5, there was a woman that had an issue of blood for 12 years. It says, and suffered many things of the physician. Suffered, didn't say delivered. Suffered many things of these practicing pigs. Look at it. Some of us, we still run to the physician, wouldn't we? Oh, what a stench. See, today, it was an uncommon thing for people to run to positions. Now, today, everybody runs to it. So now we look crazy because we don't run to them for everything. See how the tide doesn't turn? But this woman had an issue of blood for 12 years, suffered many things in a position, had spent all that she had, and the Bible says, and was nothing better but grew worse. Key, she spent all that she had. This life is set up. First of all, you live in this life. You have youth. You get a little bit older, mid-age. Then in comes and creeps in the drugs. Enough to manage you until you get a little bit older. When you get older, everything broke down. Then they put you in a nursing home or some hospice care or something like that. And then when your money runs out, they go after your lands. And your houses. And all your substance. Yeah, they do. Yes, they do too. Strip you. You know why? Stick you in their environment. You know why? Because skin for skin. A man going to give all that he has. Yeah, he will too. Yes, he will too. That's what it's amen. So how many times when your so-called friends hear something about you, the first thing they do is slander you. Defame you, talk about you. Is that not true? At least Eliphaz, Bilidad, and Zophar had some integrity about themselves. They actually came to Job's face and talked about him. Unlike the cowards of today, at least they did come to his face. And Job was pretty obstinate, even in his affliction. He said, man, all y'all friends, y'all miserable comforters. Job 3, we're going to go over the 17 times that Job cursed God. We almost done. Somebody said, really? I want to go another five hours past Dow. We're going to start at verse 2, okay? And I'm going to read you, all right? Y'all listen to it, okay? And Job spake and said, and Job spake and said. Is that what it said? Let's see what he says. Let the day perish wherein I was born. Number one. 
Number one. Job's creating the image of God. You see what I'm talking about? See, we're going to find out a lot of these ways we're getting ready to read right here. We've talked just like that. And yet we justify ourselves and say we ain't never cursed God. Then we wonder why we still got all this mess going on with us. All this hell in our life. We need to hear God's word and get our heart right. This man is standing up in front of you talking to you. I'm not the enemy. Your enemy is invisible. Hmm? It's the enemy that has place in you that got you mad at me. And God. You don't need me or God to damn yourself. You're doing a good job yourself. Hallelujah. But you want to be delivered and come to the truth and let the Lord bring you through the fire, through the smoke and through the storm. You to receive this word with gladness. But Job said, let the day perish wherein I was born and the night in which it was said, there is a man child conceived. Not only the day and the night. You know what's really going on? Job playing God. Let the day be darkness. That's why God said, you something else, ain't you? Huh? Can you make your voice thunder like mine? You remember that we read early? <laughs> huh? Can you cause a storm from afar? One way you want to keep on getting God's attention, keep talking like that. Let not God regard it from above, neither let the light shine upon it. Let darkness and the shadow of death stain it. Look at all these let, 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 as if you are let there be light. I tell you what, let's just take, just take note of all these lets, like you creating something. Uh, let's just magnify these lets. Let the darkness and the shadow of death stain it. Let a cloud dwell upon it. Let the blackness of the day terrify it. For as for the night, let darkness seize upon it. Let it not be joined unto the days of the year. Let it not come unto the numbers of month. Lo, let the night be solitary. Let no joyful voice come therein. Let them curse, that is curse the day, who are ready to rise up their morning. Let the stars of the twilight therefore be dark. Let it look for the light. Y'all getting sick and tired of these lets yet? But have none. Neither let it see the dawning of the day, because it shut not up the doors of the mother's womb, nor hid sorrow from my eyes. Who died, I not from the womb. You look, you hear that? Wishing he died from the womb. Wasn't even created. How many times we say, I wish I was never born? Why did I not give up the ghost? When I came out of the belly. Why? He done changed from let to why now. No wonder God answered him. No wonder he answered him. Later on, didn't he answer? 
Why did the knees prevent me? Or why the breast that I should suck? For now should I have lain still and been quiet. I should have slept then had I been at rest. You know, I should have died. I'd be at rest. With kings and counselors of the earth, which build desolate places for themselves, or with princes that had gold who filled their houses with silver, or as the hidden untimely birth, I had not been as infants which never saw light. There then, there the wicked cease from troubling, and there the weary be at rest. He's talking about in the chambers of death. There the prisoners rest together. They hear not the voice of the oppressor. Isn't that something? The small and the great are there, and the servant is free from his master. Wherefore, servant free from his master. Free from God? Wherefore is light given to him that is in misery and life unto the bitter in soul? Let me ask us the question. Is there any bitterness or self-pity here in everything we just read? Saints, we are made in the image of God. When we curse ourselves, we make light of him. On these two commandments hanging the whole law, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and all thy mind. And the second is like unto the first, love thy neighbor as. Sound like Joe doing a good job loving himself, don't it? Hmm? Job cursed the Lord every time he cursed himself. Every single time. Job also complained several times because of life's misery. Bitterness of soul. Death is better than life. Desperation to end it all. The grave would be a relief. Life is so hedged in. Sufferings and trouble are met all the day long. Let me ask you a question. Do you think Job knew what was going to happen at the end? Huh? I mean, think about it. He's in the midst of all this, and, he, and he's in both feet first. I mean, he's in this thing 100%. All you got to do is spend some time reading the rest of the chapter. You'll really get the picture. You'll see Job venting and venting. No wonder God came thundering in. Enough of this nonsense. Enough of this mess. Some of you, you keep on with your mouth like that. You better hope that God would come thundering in. And not turn you over to desolation. At least we get the chance to see that. The Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? You don't know if the Lord is saying that about you. Because just like Job didn't know that the Lord said that to Satan, we don't either. But since we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we better take as if the same thing is happening to us while we're on this Holy Ghost journey. We better take this thing serious, very serious. You better realize that every trial, every temptation, every persecution, every anguish of spirit, every test, everything that is going on in this life, Paul told us clearly it's all for one thing, for our perfection. He told us it's all for one thing, for us to be holy. 
All for one thing. Then Paul said, I have learned to thank God for all my persecutions, all my trials, all my afflictions, all my anger. Everything. I've learned to thank God. Yeah, yeah. In pearls. The man was in pearls. Shipwreck. Bitten by a serpent. In fastings offerings. In pearls of friends. In pearls of countrymen. In pearls of brethren. Uh-oh. Destitute. Without food. No shelter. In prisons often. Where any of us got a resume like that. And that is a beautiful resume. We better stop complaining. We better shut our mouth. Just like I'm, God, I, I am vile. That's what we better start saying. You look at yourself from here. I am just flat out vile. I'm going to put my hand right over my mouth from this point on. Because the more I talk, the deeper grave I dig. Just messing myself up even more so. Isn't it beautiful to be able to look at this? Huh? Tell you what, I've learned over the years that the things that people fear, it comes to pass. I sit and watch people work themselves up over fear. Something you watch. People got a fetish for watching what they call scary movies. I was in Best Buy the other day, and there was this little, they was giving an um, advertisement of this scary movie, and this thing was jumping all over the place, and I was sitting there looking at it like this. Little representative come up to me and says, he said, boy, that movie sure is scary. I said, I don't see a damn thing scary about it. It looked like a bunch of foolish as me. Amen. I said, why in the world would people want to pay to be scared? Stupid. I can understand that foolishness when I was a child. But as a man, why would you want to go look at something that's going to cause you to be terrified at night? God, your cotton picking mind. Or then go read something that's going to cause you to be in a flight stage. <laughs> Tell me that ain't foolishness. Why would you want to go put yourself in a position to serve fear? Tell you fear and faith, they run just like that. You can't tell the difference between one and another. The only way you can tell the difference is by your actions. Faith produces this. Fear produces that. Of course, you know what he did, don't you? Kick traces on me. I gave him something to go on tell you. You know one of those weak guys that pee in his pants when something like that take place too, isn't you? Just give him some more fire to go on. She'll say, come back here and provide some customer service. You won't believe some of the things we do to position ourselves in fear. We'll look at something. We'll read something. And then when we get fear in us, we won't put it on everybody else. Mm -hmm. Then we start preaching the gospel of fear rather than faith. Then we oppress everybody around us. Oppress them. With our unbelief and our fear. For let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. 
don't make light of his statutes, his commandments, his laws. It's your whole purpose for even existing here on this earth. Fear God, keep his commandments. It is the whole duty of man. I ain't got no time for no fear. I ain't got no time for none of that mess. Fear of dark, fear of day, fear of cats, fear of dogs, fear of snakes, fear of dying, fear of death, fear of all this. I mean, I ain't got no time for that mess. I'm too busy serving God. Fear my wife gonna leave me. Fear my children gonna leave me. Fear, man, y'all, man, y'all, you, fear's got an abundant supply. You have some of it. Hmm? I ain't got no parts of it. I'm not gonna be controlled by any aspect of it. And neither should you. I'm serious. Hey, I ain't got no time. Wife, children, y'all fall away. I ain't got nothing to do with it. If it's just left for me and my house, me, myself, and I, my whole spirit, soul, and body, we're going to serve the Lord at least. Make no difference to me. Yes, sir. Mind made up, decision been made. Die's been cast. I ain't looking back. Mm-mm. I ain't giving up. No, sir, no man. Well, anyway. So people get tanked up on all this mess and didn't want to control others because they being controlled by the devil. God has not given us the spirit of, but what, what do some of us do? Why we say, we are God's. I don't expect you're going to sit here and, I'll, hey, come on, the word, be sure it's going to find you out. The word is a discerner. The word is also sharpening any two-edged sword. Goes all the way to the discerner of the heart, the soul, the mind, the spirit, even all the way to your thoughts. It's going to find you out. It's going to cut either way. That's how the word is. What y'all do is thank God that the word is able to cut because some people, they get like stone, so it can't even cut it. Can't even cut. See, it's the way we look at things. Rather than thanking God for the incision of truth and the penetration of it. And we should be saying, God, thank God for cutting out every cancer, every dross, every infection, every disease. Every ill, they cut it all out of me, God. I have, I have, I have spent my years teaching my family, fear God. I've taught them, I said, if I ever fall away, if I ever do, don't you ever leave God. Saying that when I'm closing my right mind. Don't let me drag you away from God. Cut the soul tie. Have I, do I talk to y'all like that? I ain't worth you going to hell over. I ain't. No, I'm not either. And I would tell them clearly, y'all, none of y'all ain't worth me going to hell over, and I ain't going to hell for none of you, period. We got a good mutual understanding. Therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, I persuade men. At least I try to. I do try. But fear replaces faith. 
Job responded by accusing God, claiming that he was innocent and God was unfair and unjust. I could go on and on and on and on. I know we got the picture. I know we got, if not, if you, if, I'm sorry, folks. If you ain't got the picture, I'm sorry. None of my business. Anybody that doubts and fears, that's between you and God. Don't anybody sit up here and say that a man is the cause for your fall. Because to give somebody that kind of control, you ain't never served God anyway. The only thing God tried to do today, this morning, is through his Holy Spirit, by his power, is give us insight and understanding. An understanding heart. After listening to stuff like this, don't it kind of almost make you literally just sick in a good way? Yes, sir. Or how pathetic we are? That's why I can rejoice and hope unto the end. That's why I can rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Thank God. For the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm serious. Thank God. Thank God. Now me. I, man. I, you know how I do. I said. Lord Father. I thank God for the day that I was born. I thank God. That the light of the Holy Spirit. Shined upon me. Sure do. I thank God for the day. That I was baptized. I thank God. That you gave me the right. To be called the son of God. Amen. I thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. No, see, Job was doing all these curses. I'm doing all these blessings. <laughs> Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is in me. Bless his holy name. Now, if you got fear in you, you ain't going to bless him. You know, right now, I could sit up here and say, all right, saints, let's just bless the Lord. You don't even know what's in you, do you? You don't even know what's got you, do you? Because the Bible says, rejoice with them that rejoice. <laughs> Isn't that something? Well, I ain't got to do it because you said do it. Believe me, I ain't, I'm, you, ain't, you are not getting away in my love fest. I promise you. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you think, I mean, you, you really got a, still a high opinion of yourself, think you want that kind of attention. Think you're going to get in the way of my showers of blessing because you decide to hold yours. You ain't got no blessings anyway if there's something you had to hold. There's something else got to hold on you. Well, see, Pastor Dow, let me just tell you something. Everything was going good until you start getting personal. You mean tell me the Holy Spirit hadn't been personal here all this morning? He meets everybody at their understanding. Every single person. It's his word. It's just his word. It would behoove you to go and read Job, though. I mean, really. Just really, Job. I mean, we've read this thing. I know I've preached messages on Job. I came. Y'all see the reason why I say Job, man? It should have been way up there somewhere. I gave you the reason why I thought it should be way up there somewhere. He is a son of Issachar, and he way back here. I, I guess the placement, you know what I mean? That's why I keep telling you the books are not in chronological order. No, sir. 
They're just not. They're just not. But we, hey, I'll tell you one thing. It, we are blessed to allow our ears to hear what we heard this morning. I, I don't want Brother Austin to be calling me, boy, pastor. Boy, that sure was good. He said, man, we really all messed up, ain't we? Yeah, we are, brother. Whew, I sure do thank God for Jesus Christ. You know why? Because he's the author and the finisher of our faith. See? Isn't that something? Y'all didn't know that God was his personal, did you? Hmm? I said, and watch these assemblies out there where people, they, all they do is they look forward to going to church to praise the Lord. Now think about it. They're praising the Lord, and you're supposed to. You're supposed to do that. But can you imagine doing all that praising of the Lord hmm? and never purifying and purging yourself? You ain't got nothing. No one you can't praise the Lord because you ain't got nothing you done got out of you. When you discover yourself and you start bringing that, that sweeper in and getting that, letting the Holy Spirit clean you up, man, I tell you, you ain't got to tell me. Ain't nobody got to tell you to praise the Lord. I'm just telling the truth, brother. So that's how wicked we are. I'm serious. We got a high and lofty opinion of ourselves that God don't share. He's given us all this because he's trying to let us know we do got an expected end. But like I said before, God knew that Job was going to repent. And Job didn't know that he, Job thought he was right. And God ain't coming and talking to us for three or four chapters. He said, I done sent you my word. <laughs> he said, you want God, you want me to talk to you? Pick it up. I'll talk to you. I'll, I'll, I'll speak sweet nothings in your ears. I'll tell it just like it is. Yeah, I will. I love you. I'll caress you. So I will too. Well, hearing stuff like this, you're not for sure you want to be loved and caressed by this God. Lord, hold me. Lead me. Guide me. My rock. My soul. My shield. My high tower. My exceedingly great reward. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, read. Why is it that we resist the love of open rebuke is better than we get rebuked openly than what we do. We show what's in our heart, don't we? The resistance. Now let me see. Did we rebuke you because we missed it? It was something wrong. You've been misrepresented, you've been lied on. Uh, well, I don't think it ought to be done like that. So you're rewriting the book. I will tell you this. This generation is something else. Because, I, I mean, as a young man in God, I've been rebuked by, I'm talking about I've been rebuked by elders who 40, 50 years older than me. And I mean rebuked too, didn't spare me none at all. And I promise the way some of you act, Put up. I didn't do all that. I promise I didn't. I was too busy being humble. 
Yeah, I was too. And I, I was a big old muscle head dude too. But boy, I sure was broke too, boy. I'd get rebuked. And hey, all y'all, y'all seen older men rebuke me, have you not? Yes, sir. Did I respond like some of y'all respond? Ever. You ever once seen me respond like some of you spirits? Against any correctional instruction at all? Did I show out? Did I walk around putting potholes in the ground? Did I spurn people? You got an example. Isn't that something? That lets us know. That's something in us. That really truly is. There's also the Holy Spirit in you too. Problem is, you had not been searching. You don't search, you don't seek, you ain't going to find him. Promise is, you seek, you search with me, you do it with all your heart, I will be found of them that seek for me. I guess that's the reason why I always walk around in a perpetual state of happiness. Because I'm always seeking him. Searching, yeah, I am too, always. Surely do love him. Amen. I figure just by law of averages, I may got another 20, 30, 40, 50 years. So if so, I ain't got too much more longer to serve me anyway. So I better do the best I can with what I got. And that's the way I look at it. Sorry, men. I don't have no time to be sissy. There's enough of them things in the world. Enough of them in the church. Enough of them in the world. I ain't no time for that. God told Job, be a man. Did he not say that? He didn't say be no faggot, be no homosexual. You think about some of the crazy stuff going on there. Farrah Fawcett, 62 years old, passes away of anal cancer. Anal cancer. You know where you get that mess from, right? Performing homosexual acts. Look at him looking at me. <laughs> I was asking Brother Doug, I said, man, anal, colon, man, man, what? Can't be number one abomination. Can't be nothing but one abomination. See, when you're young, a lot of youth is deceiving. It makes you think you're getting skirt. You gotta understand. You know how you feel today? And all that when you get older, ask the older people. Today is today is today. I promise you. And pain for today is today for today. Yesterday year don't help you for today. <laughs> the future don't help you for today. You need right now Jesus. Right now righteousness. Right now holiness. That's the truth. We pray that you saying, seek down deep down in your heart, Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we thank you for your words of truth. I do pray for the people of the Most High here, for the few that is left in number, that they would continue in your grace and your mercy and your truth. They would love you with all their heart, Father. Continue to minister your truth, your word to us. We give you the glory for all things. We thank you for the sweet Holy Spirit that ministered to our heart. We give you the glory for all things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. That was message number two. Of this series. Notice I started the first.